0: Yes, here we go. Good morning again. <laughs> Good to see you all here this morning. And not that we can see you, but some people joining on the live stream as well and in isolation at home. And some of us have been through that already. And so, yeah, thinking of you guys there that are joining us. Looking forward to having you back as soon as possible. We're going through the Gospel of John if you're new here, the Gospel of John, and we're up to chapter 12. So, little bit by bit, we're, we're getting through it. We've 12 chapters, we've covered so far a, a span of about three years in the life of Jesus, and now, all of a sudden, we're getting more focused, zeroing in, and the next, I don't know, nine, eight, nine chapters or so, cover only one week of Jesus' life. So, we're getting to the pointy end. We're getting to the main events of the Gospel of John. Last week, Sam brought us a passage that where we saw the beginning of Holy Week, or Passion Week, it's sometimes called. Beginning with Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. Remember the, them laying the palm branches down, Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey, not quite the picture they had expected. But they were happy to run with it. And yet, by Friday, that's Sunday, by Friday, He will be hung on a cross. And so, we're now in that week. That's that's where we are this morning in chapter 12. We're in that week, possibly... Well, John doesn't give us a lot of the other events that happened in that week that you'll read about in some of the other Gospels, so we're not quite sure, but look, it may be Wednesday of that week, between the triumphal entry of Sunday and and his death on Friday, somewhere in there, perhaps Wednesday, we come across this conversation that, that takes place. Remember so far, the number of times that we've seen as we've gone through John do you remember Jesus saying things like, my hour has not yet come? It's not my time. He's, he's been saying these things along the way. And yet, at last week, in verse 23 of, of chapter 12, he's, it all changes. Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies... It remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. So, Jesus is now focused on his approaching death. It's the main focus of the Gospels. It's the thing that occupies the writers the most. In fact, it's central to the whole Bible. You know the biblical story, don't you, of, of sin entering the world and death by sin. And very early on, God introduces sacrifice. And there is death after death, sacrifice after sacrifice of animals all through the Old Testament. Yet, all that blood of bulls and goats could never wash away sin, but it pointed to the Lamb of God, Jesus, who would appear once for all to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. The cross of Jesus, His death, His resurrection, Is the central focus of the Gospels. It's the central focus of the whole scripture. In fact, it is the theme of all eternity. The salvation plan was made in eternity past by a triune God who will be praised for eternity to come as we worship the Lamb that was slain to redeem us. So we're getting to the, the center of all that exists, the centre of eternity, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's where we find Jesus' focus this morning, as we we begin to read our passage. So, if you've got your Bible there, John chapter 12, we'll be reading from verse 27 to 36. If you can pull that up or open that up, however you're doing it. John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus says... Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Why don't we we pray before we go any further? Father, it's clearly Jesus' burden in this passage that your name would be glorified. And so we we want to pray that same thing now, this morning. That Your name would be glorified. That you would do a work in us as we unpack your word, as we see your glory. Lord, would we see it for what it really is? Would all the other glories, would all the other things that would distract us now be seen for what they really are? For their true value, in light of your glory, Father. Glorify Your name, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. So, just to be sure we've got it, let's see how Jesus is focused on His death that is so fastly approaching. It's the central thing on His mind. In verse 32, He said, "I, When I am lifted up from the earth... And then the next verse, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. And the crowd understood what he meant. To be lifted up meant to be put to death on a cross. Traditionally, for the Jews, to put someone to death meant casting them down and stoning them. But with the coming of the Roman Empire, along came a new terrible form of death, crucifixion. Thousands of people had been killed this way, and these people knew what Jesus meant when He said, I'll be lifted up. And that's why they they start to protest. They don't like the sound of this. It's not the kind of king, the kind of Messiah they had envisaged just on Sunday as, as He entered Jerusalem. So, the crowd answered Him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever, How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up or put to death on a cross? Who is this Son of Man? You can see, only a few days ago, they were laying palm branches and crying out Hosanna to the King. And now there's this slide taking place. Who is this Son of Man? It's not the one we thought we were getting. And before the week is over... They'll be crying out, away with him, crucify him. So this is what Jesus is focused on. No wonder he says, now is my soul troubled. This is Jesus experiencing emotional turmoil and anguish like no one has ever experienced. It's the same sort of anguish that we see later in the week, in the garden, in the of Gethsemane. Remember when he's kneeling and praying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. It's the same sort of anguish, the same turmoil that he's experiencing here. And why, why is this so troubling? To jesus if you if you've read fox's book of martyrs you've read about christians facing terrible torture and death and they seem to do it singing or preaching the gospel praising god and, and telling the people that are torturing them about him what about jesus is he not up to this I think the answer is it's, this is not just physical suffering and pain that Jesus is facing. He never seems to flinch at that. However, what awaits Jesus is the judgment of God against the sin of the world. Being God himself in flesh, Jesus knows the horror of sin against God. He knows the treason of mankind in rejecting their creator and the the unimaginable weight of judgment that that deserves. And that's what he's about to bear. No wonder he would say, now is my soul troubled. And so he asks, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? He had every right to say that. Nobody is forcing him to to bear this burden. But he fights that temptation to take the easy way out. He's willing to press on. I think that's just a side, a little bit of encouragement for us. Facing temptation and fighting sin is not sin. Jesus knows what temptation is. The temptation is to just be taken out of this situation. So, facing temptation, fighting it, that's not sin. Christ is sinless. But here's his passion, here's his commitment. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. This is the very reason I am here. For what purpose? Here it is, Father, glorify your name. Jesus is devoted to displaying the glory of his Father. And the pinnacle of that display of God's glory is in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The greatest revelation of his character, his greatness, his love, his justice, his mercy, his grace... The triune God is gloriously complete and holy and fully self-sufficient with no need for us. And yet, He overflows toward us with the revelation of His grace and kindness. (laughs) There's, There's a popular modern song that sometimes comes to mind for me that says, you didn't want heaven without us. So, Jesus, you brought heaven down. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice sentimental human idea, but it's not something you'll argue from Jesus' words in here. That's not his passion. His, shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? What, what's heaven going to be like without those people? No, it's Father, glorify your name. He is living, he is dying for the glory of God. And God is so complete and full and free in who He is that He can overflow in kindness and mercy to us without any need of us. So, Father, glorify your name. And the answer, I have glorified it. I glorified it just a few weeks ago in the death and resurrection of Lazarus. Remember, that was for the glory of God. And I will glorify it again in the death and resurrection of my son. Interesting, isn't it, that Jesus says this answer from God wasn't for his sake. Surely it must have been encouraging for him but it was for those who were listening. I can't help but think they wouldn't have understood it right now, what, what God was even talking about. But probably upon reflection, as they look back on this terrible week that was unfolding, that had unfolded, in hindsight, they would have understood that this seeming tragedy was in fact the Father glorifying the Son and the Son glorifying the Father in the most glorious act to be witnessed in all eternity. So Jesus goes on to unpack what this death is going to mean. Verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. When? Now, Jesus says. Yes, there, there is a future judgment when all the dead will be raised, but it will be based on what happens now, says Jesus. Now is the judgment of this world, in the death of Jesus. John five twenty four tells us, Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. No judgment for those who believe. Already passed from death to life. When? Here. Now, says Jesus, is the judgment of this world. In other words, the death of Jesus becomes the decisive dividing line down through history, through your family, through your friendships, through this room now, the dividing line between those who are condemned and those who are vindicated or set free and declared right. Now is the judgment of this world. Paul says in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One of my favourite passages, Romans 8, from verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. When, says Jesus, now, in His death. If you trust in Jesus to be reconciled to God through His death, then you are united with Him. His death is your death. His condemnation is your condemnation. You have been judged in Him and it's over. Now declared righteous and given eternal life. Praise God for that. But if you reject Jesus, offering Himself to you today, offering to set you free from the guilt and penalty of sin, if you reject Him, you will face a future judgment, one of punishment forever, for your sin and for the rejection of God's offer of forgiveness. Now is the judgment of this world. The death of Christ is the dividing line. In the second half of that verse, now is the judgment of this world, now will the ruler of this world be cast out. In the death of Jesus, Satan was dealt the decisive blow that would guarantee his defeat. It, it wasn't the final battle. He's still at work in this world and we're warned to put on armour and and be on guard, but victory is guaranteed. His days are numbered. I like to picture a a courtroom where, where you're on trial. The worst lawyer that could be found, Satan, is on the opposite side. He has a massive folder of all your deeds, thoughts, motives, all the things that, that clearly say you're guilty. And he loves nothing more than to accuse people and see them condemned. Representing you, though, is Jesus Christ, who Satan thought he had judged and put to death. But it turns out, In that death, Jesus emptied that folder, took every deed, every thought, every motive, every sin and nailed to the cross and said, I'm dying for these. And so, when it comes to you, your time in court, Satan opens his folder. Just can't wait to pull them all out and accuse you. And there's nothing left. Turns out Jesus has paid for all of it. That's the type of picture that we get in Scripture. Colossians two thirteen says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him, in Jesus. That's the picture. If you are united with Christ, not guilty, judgment, has been paid. It's over. And so, we get to the next statement that Jesus makes. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. As we mentioned earlier, Jesus said this to show what kind of death He was going to die. So, lifted up clearly means He he was going to be crucified on the cross. But it's also an ambiguous word that can mean lifted up as in exalted and glorified. And that fits perfectly too. In fact, they both work together. The lifting up of Jesus in suffering crucifixion was also the lifting up of Jesus in being exalted and glorified. And we see that, don't we, in other places in Scripture. Philippians 2 and 8. You know this passage well. And being found in human form, He humbled Himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, lifted up in crucifixion. Therefore, the next verse, God has highly exalted Him. Lifted Him up in exaltation, in glorification. Highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. So, John skillfully chooses a word that covers both options. Lifted up in crucifixion and lifted up in being exalted and glorified. The result, I will draw all people to myself, Jesus says. This obviously does not mean all individuals without exception. I mean, take Judas for the nearest example. He wasn't drawn to Jesus. But it does mean all people without distinction meaning this is no longer just for Jews but for Jews and Gentiles and back in verse 20 actually there was Greeks arriving for the for the to celebrate the feast and that might be what's prompting this line of thinking from Jesus he will draw all people or to use some words from revelation I will draw every tribe and tongue and people and nation to myself it could also be that this sentence can rightly be translated without people attached to the all. To say, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself. All what, we would ask. But we don't have to think far back, do we, in John's Gospel to find similar language. Remember Jesus saying, all that the Father gives me will come to me. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Or in the famous John 10 passage, My sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all to myself, all my sheep, all my children, all that the Father has given me. So God is glorified through the judgment that is poured out on His Son in death. God is glorified through triumph over death and Satan in the victorious resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And God is glorified through all the children that He gives eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ. Father, glorify Your name. And here is Jesus' final exhortation for us this morning for you personally. At the end of our passage, he says, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Or to put it another way, embrace the same passion and purpose as Jesus for your life. That is, Father, glorify your name. Believe in the light that you may become sons of light, that you may be like him, that you may reflect him. So, believe in him, so treasure him, so become more like him, so reflect him, that your purpose, like Jesus, is to glorify him. Your glory and my glory, this world's glory, is not worth pursuing. It's a mirage. It will leave you empty. Let this be our purpose. Father, glorify your name in my life. Glorify your name in my family, in my workplace, in my relationships, in my suffering, in my trials. Father, glorify your name. May it be so. Let's pray. Father, as was Jesus' purpose, would you help us living for this purpose to glorify you. Lord, we praise you this morning for the, for the great gift of salvation, for the death and resurrection of Jesus that is the center of all eternity. We thank you for your grace overflowing toward us who never deserved it, who were not needed, but your kindness and grace is amazing. We thank you for the opportunity to come and and to focus on it this morning, to remember you to sing about this. Father, as we have said a number of times, glorify your name, we pray. For Jesus' sake, amen.